بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم کریم where a person secludes himself from the outside world, comes into the house of Allah Ta'ala and he has no other occupation, nothing to distract him. So he can now dedicate himself to acquiring the objective. So this objective is to acquire the love of Allah Ta'ala, to connect ourselves with Allah Ta'ala. So for this, one is to then dedicate one's time to all the positive amal, positive meaning all the amal that we are supposed to do, all the ibadat, the farz, wajib, sunnat mawqada, there is no question about missing any of that. Over and above that, the nawafil salah, so the ishraq salah, if we have somebody is living, should make that at that time, after the sunrise is 10 minutes later. Otherwise, if we are already tired and sleeping, and when we wake up, then by that time it's already Salatul Duha, which has a very great reward. <coughs> In the Hadith Sharif, it comes that daily, it is necessary upon a person to give sadaqa upon every joint of his body. Every joint, this is a tremendous na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. If a person considers just any one joint, just the wrist for example, if that stops functioning the way it should be, what a difficult situation it becomes. A person's hand is now, cannot rotate his wrist, cannot move it in any direction. Just think about the number of things that become so difficult. Eating, writing, holding something. There's just one joint and without it functioning in its normal manner, life becomes very difficult. So, on every joint, there is sadqa that is necessary. And two rakats at the time of duha, this is a means of fulfilling the sadqa of all the joints. And then a person performs can, up to 12 rakats is salatul duha, whatever Allah gave tawfiq, at least 2 rakats. Nabi Islam generally used to perform 4 rakats of salatul duha. Then is Awabin, at that time the khidmat satis want to obviously get everything sorted out for the iftar. So if we are making Awabin in such a space that is not causing any kind of obstruction to them, but short rakats of Awabin we should try and make at least the two nafil after the sunnah we try and make that as well and then obviously tahajjud so we are awake for sahri we are awake for the programs in the odd nights we try and make at least four rakats of tahajjud so this is one aspect to try and make sure that we try and do the best we can and in this for example tahajjud or at other times when it's not going to be delaying anyone, for example, for the iftar, etc. Then we try to lengthen the rakats. Besides lengthening the rakats, we try to lengthen our sujood. 
in the nawafil, one of the things that is not just permissible, highly recommended, is that in sajda we try and engage in much dua. But obviously, in salah the dua would be in Arabic only. So the Muslim duas, the duas that we are familiar with, and the thing is, which duas we have some idea of the meaning as well. Any dua for that matter that we can decide. Dua in sajda, in salah, this is something very close to Allah Ta'ala. It comes in the Hadith Sharif that the closest a person gets to Allah Ta'ala is while he is in sajda, in salah. So all this will help to develop the salah itself as well. Then the month of Ramadan, dua in the masjid, in salah, in sajda. So this is obviously a very great moment and opportunity. So these are things to try and maximize. And together with that is the tilawat of the Quran Sharif. And then our tasbihat, our zikr, etc. So this is the one side of it that we should try and obviously do as much as we can. And this is towards the object of connecting ourselves with Allah Ta'ala. But this is one part of it. As Hazrat Rahmatullah used to explain, that in order for the light to come on, there are two wires. One is the positive wire, and there is a negative wire. When both are in place, then that light comes on. If one is in place and the other is not there, then that light doesn't come on. So, as an example, just to make us understand, he would explain it in that way, and then take it further, that likewise, for the light and nur of marifat to light up in our hearts, for the light of the love of Allah Ta'ala to light up in our hearts, what is the positive ibadat? Positive ibadat, all the things we have discussed. All the things that a person does in the form of ibadat. And then, what you should describe as the negative ibadat, not that it's negative in itself, but just borrowing the name from the negative wire of, to bring the light on. Negative in the sense, staying away from all the negative things. Consciously refraining from whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. That is the negative wire. So though there, there isn't anything to do in terms of any action, but the refraining of the action, that itself is the ibadat. And that is the very crucial part for this light of marifat to light up. Obviously there is no compromise on the faraiz, wajibat, sunnat imakkada. But the nawafil, if for example a person didn't perform any nafil his whole life, which shouldn't be the case obviously, but as an example, a person never performed any nafil his whole life. There won't be any sin incurred. He fulfilled his faraiz, his wajibat, his sunnat imakkada, and he didn't commit any sin. He refrained from haram. That this person is also a wali of Allah Ta'ala. The person who also performed nawafil, obviously he would reach a very much higher rank. He would go far ahead. But this person who didn't make any nawafil, but he didn't commit haram. He saved himself from sin. He is also a wali of Allah Ta'ala. 
And this is the thing that unfortunately many a times, though we engage ourselves in many other amal, which is very good, mashallah, which should continue at all costs, but we fail to keep ourselves away from haram. As a result, time and time again, we are still in the same spot. We, mashallah, make many efforts, but we still find ourselves in terms of progress with regards to gaining marifat, with regards to gaining this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, gaining this closeness of Allah Ta'ala, we find ourselves in the same spot. Reason being that this other crucial part, this negative wire we are not putting in place, the wire of refraining from haram, as a result that light of muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, that light of marifat is not coming on. So both are equally important, doing what is required of us, and adding to it the nawafil, etc. And refraining from what is forbidden. Refraining from whatever Allah Ta'ala has prohibited us from. That is equally important and very crucial. And far more important than all the nawafil. Far more important than all the nawafil that a person can perform is to stay away from haram. Because that in itself is farz. Staying away from haram, refraining from haram, itself is farz. And the nawafil are very great, but it's nafil. So obviously a nafil cannot equate to a farz. So therefore, both these aspects are extremely important. And this is what Hazrat used to emphasize very, very greatly. He used to, in order to appeal to our minds, he used to say, Bas khao piyo aram Eat, drink, stay comfortable, no problem. Bas ek kaam mat karo, guna mat karo. Just refrain from one thing, don't commit sin. And this is the stepping stone to vilayat of the highest level that a person refrains from haram. In awliya'uhu the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says that his friends are only those who are the muttaqeen. And muttaqeen, taqwa, taqwa is refraining from the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. Refraining from all haram. So, this booklet that we have here in front of us, this booklet is titled Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala. It's the booklet of Allah He compiled this book when he was around eight years old. It's a very concise book. Many, many voluminous books of his mawais, etc. All were already all published by that time. But at that time of his life, he published this little booklet, which we, alhamdulillah, read this almost every year in Atikaf. So as a revision, we will read this year as well. And at that time, when Hazrat had just published this, he used to, the crux of this these four actions that are mentioned here, he would have them repeated at the end of every majlis. Somebody, or someone would stand up at the end of almost every majlis, and there used to be three majlises a day. So three majlises a day, at the end of every majlis, and this continued for a long time. And I have to say that this is my 80 years of experience that I am condensing in these four things. 80 years of experience 
that I'm condensing in these four things that my 80 years of experience has shown me that a person who brings these four things within him then inshallah everything else is very easy and the road is open for him this is not everything this is like the key to the door the person has the key and he opens the door with it then he's inside then he will do whatever else is necessary but he's already inside and if a person is still outside he's outside he hasn't even seen the inside he hasn't even stepped into the palace of Marifat so this is what Hazrat used to explain that this is my 80 years experience so now somebody who has seen all the ups and downs of how people have been trying to get to their destination and who has been faltering and where they've been faltering and what has been the biggest obstacle in their life and having helped not hundreds, thousands of people to traverse the path. So now obviously that experience counts a lot. So this is something for us to take to heart, for us to implement in our lives. One is the overall aspect, saving ourselves from haram, refraining from sin, that is in general applicable to everything that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. But there are these four things that need to be given prior attention and inshallah this will open, bring us into the marifat of Allah Ta'ala. This is the introduction to the booklet. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. There are four actions which if one adopts, inshallah, he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala, the friend of Allah Ta'ala before he passes away. These are again the same aspect that we keep discussing, that everything has a process, nothing just comes into place overnight. So what the point here is, now we will be discussing these aspects. A person takes to it, he makes a determined intention that this is something I need to make sure I keep up with. And then Allah forbid, some way he falters. So now he faltered once, twice, he says, no, this is out of the question for me. I can't, this is beyond me. Whereas that is not the case, nothing is beyond us. If it was beyond us, Allah Ta'ala wouldn't give us the command of something that is not possible for us. La يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا If it was something that was beyond us, then this would be taklif ma la yutaq, compelling a person to do something that is not possible for him. And that is something which is not correct. Allah Ta'ala doesn't do anything that is futile. Allah Ta'ala gave us some commands. Whatever Allah Ta'ala commanded us is well within our capacity. But a person is able to pick up something, but he goes and he breaks his hand. He was provided the means and the ability to carry whatever was necessary. He was granted the strength. He goes and he deliberately breaks his hand. Now he can't pick up anything. So is he responsible or is somebody else responsible? If he now says, but this is beyond me because I can't pick up anything, well, this you destroyed your ability to pick it up, now treat your hand and get it right and you'll be able to pick up again. So this is well within our capacity. So many a times we think that this is claimed that a person who does these things will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala. 
But this is beyond me. How can I ever get there? We can all get there. It just requires patience. It requires perseverance. It requires continuously making the effort. If a person has faulted, he'll make sincere tawbah, istighfar, and continue making effort. As long as he continues with this, inshallah he will get there. One person just in Ramadan, he, I didn't know him from anywhere, didn't even know his name, said he wants to discuss something, fine, what do you want to discuss, he set aside. He says for the past two and a half, three years, he was completely lost. This is now he's talking about himself. Prior to that, Alhamdulillah, he was keeping up with his amal, he was involved in many good things besides his farais, wajibat, etc. But then he says he got into a young person, maybe in his early twenties or something, got into wrong company, and gradually the amal started falling away, one after the other, first all the nawafil and the tasbihat and whatever else, and the work of deen, everything just fell away. And then slowly the farais also started falling away, because as he started, his words now, each time I got more into guna, more amal fell away. These are approximately the words. That as I got into motion, more amal just started falling away. And this is something that is very easy to understand, that as more darkness comes, the person gets deprived of the light. Now sin brings darkness, it darkens the heart. Now in the darkness of the heart, a person cannot see the light. He is no more attracted to the good. So you see all the amals are falling away. Then, many things mentioned in between, he says this is now after two and a half years or three years something, it was in the middle of Ramadan, just towards the latter part, now of the second ten days. He says, I have come to the masjid for the first time a few days ago. Just a few days prior to that, that he had come to the masjid for the first time, after such a long period. In other words, some Ramadans went in between also, where he hadn't seen the inside of the masjid. And in the process, he was just talking whatever his situation is, asking for some advice, but in that he mentioned one statement, which was a very telling statement, he didn't even probably think much about what he's saying, but something very deep for us to reflect on. You see, the only thing what left in my life was istighfar. He got into all kinds of vices, all the worst kinds of sins, was involved in every intoxicant, involved in... He says, I didn't leave anything. He says, but the only thing got left in my life from the amal was istighfar. I didn't stop making istighfar. I would fall into something, then when I come in my senses, I would realize what I've done is wrong. And I would still make istighfar, even the salah had fallen away. But he didn't stop making istighfar. And then he went on to say whatever he wanted to say, but... It is very clear that despite having fallen wherever he fell, but it was the constancy on that istighfar that eventually with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala brought him back. It was the constancy on that istighfar which with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala brought him back. This istighfar is a very great thing. It is an extremely great thing 
When a person is doing something and he carries on with it, he doesn't seem to realize what he's bringing, what good is bringing, what benefit is bringing. But when it stops, then it becomes apparent after some time. Unfortunately, by that time, sometimes the person has drifted so far away, he sometimes doesn't realize what it has done, where the problem came from. When it stops, it has like cut off that lifeline, that drip, which was now keeping the person functioning. So he thought now that I'm feeling very well, so what is the need for this drip? So he just throws it away, whereas that was still required for him. He wasn't yet healthy enough. So after one day, for one day he feels nothing because it's still fine. But after two days he starts falling. What happened? He cut the drip off. He felt that what's up? This one thing is dripping one, one drop at a time here. Yeah, what is doing for me? He didn't feel anything happening. But everything was happening via that. So likewise, these amal, everything happens via that. The amal stop and it leaves the door open for all the vices to creep in. So, the point that we are making is that a person should never become despondent, never lose hope. It doesn't always happen that a person from the first moment, everything just keeps going perfectly for him. There would be sometimes some situations where a person, despite his efforts being completely, I mean, he's making his full effort, he's insane, he can falter somewhere, but that must not become a means of falling back, it must become a means of spurning him on further. He should become very, very concerned, make sincere toba, istighfar, and move further on. So this is the introduction that we are reading here. That there are four actions which if one adopts, inshallah, he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala before he passes away. With the blessings of practicing on these four actions, inshallah, he will gain the ability of practicing on all the other commands of deen. So this is not any claim that this is all. This is a very clear point here that with the barakat of these actions, with the blessings of practicing on these four actions, Inshallah, he will gain the ability of practicing on all the other commands of deen. This is due to the fact that generally people find these actions difficult since it is difficult on the nafs. The student who manages to answer the difficult questions in the question paper will have no problem answering the easy questions. Hence, the one who suppresses his nafs for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and practices on the following actions it will become easy for him to practice on the entire deen. And he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala. So there are four actions here mentioned. Two of these actions pertain to the external self. Now, these are very simple things, but sometimes become very difficult for a person if he hasn't undertaken it yet. One of the important things to bear in mind whenever something is being discussed or for that matter we are on our own reading something which pertains to certain sins, wrong things, wrong deeds. One of the traps of shaitan at that time is that he turns the person's mind to somebody else. For example, if say we are listening to some talk somewhere in the Juma, whenever, any occasion. And now the discussion is on Zibat, for example. 
So shaitan turns our mind immediately to somebody else. I hope, I hope that person is listening. Am I listening? Doesn't seem I'm listening because I'm worried about whether that person is listening. So my mind is somewhere else already. So I'm not listening. I'm worried about whether others are listening. Whereas at that time, at that time I should be listening and listening for myself. If I have to convey the message to somebody else later and share it with them, Alhamdulillah, that's also an important thing. But that's not possible now. Now I have to listen and listen for myself. When the opportunity is there, then I will pass the message on to others also. But at this moment in time, to be thinking about if somebody else is listening, that is shaitan's tap to divert the attention. And to think, well, I don't need this. Somebody else needs it. Not for me. Now, these four actions, among the four, the first two actions, the first action is referring to the aspect of keeping a beard to the extent of one fist in length. If a person already has a beard, alhamdulillah, this is a ni'mat that Allah Ta'ala has enabled one to keep the beard and to adopt the resemblance of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hazrat Khaji Aziz Hassan Majzub says that on the day of Qiyamah, he will say to Allah Ta'ala that Tariya Nabi ki Ya Rab Shabahat leke ayahu Hakikat uskutu karde me surat leke ayahu. He will plead to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, Tere Nabi ki Ya Rab Shabahat leke ayahu. Ya Allah, I brought the resemblance of your Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, I only came with the outer form. You make the reality also possible for me now. You grant me the reality also from your grace. This outer form is not a insignificant thing. It's very important. So this is the discussion. Now if a person already has a beard, Alhamdulillah, so there's no difficulty for him at all. He's already done. But now shaitan often will then take his mind to somebody else. I hope so, so and so is listening. So Allah Ta'ala will give the tawfiq, inshallah, to everybody. But at that time, despite we believing that we already have done this, then too it's for me. Even then, this is for me to establish this even further. One of those people who were very close to Hazrat Alayhi, rose by his name, the businessman, he had a very close taluk Hazrat, 18 years in his company he was. So on one occasion he explained, he says that, and this was the time when these four actions were published and Hazrat used to keep discussing every majlis, these things used to be repeated. He says, once in the room, there were only four people present. Four of them were present only. All of them were there from ages. Meaning for many years. And they had been very closely associated with Hazrat And Alhamdulillah, apparently all of them were following whatever the advices were, whatever the talimat were. So now there are only four of them present there. In every majlis, these four actions are being discussed. And he says now, in that room of Hazrat, he started discussing the keeping of the beard at length. Now there's four people present only. All of them, mashallah, have a full beard. All of them have been in the khanqa coming and going for years now. All of them closely associated. And Hazrat is talking at length on the subject. And he is emphasizing it. Now there's nobody else present there. He says, the thought crossed my mind that 
maybe sometimes it happens a person doesn't realize that but he's uh, not in a general gathering maybe he has this because this particular occasion doesn't seem like there is a need for so much of emphasis on something which the only people present are these four people. Mashallah, all have a full beard. Hazrat is emphasizing this so much. She says, this thought just crossed the mind, but pushed it away that, no, whatever it is, we should just pay attention. Doesn't matter if it appears that this is not necessary, it may be necessary, so we must listen to it carefully. She says, time came and went. After some time had passed, some months had passed, is one day one of the other three people that were also present in the room at that time. He came, he was just talking to this Sarozbai who was explaining this whole incident. He says, I can't tell you what overcame me. He says, this morning, or just short prior to that, some days prior to that, says, I was just becoming overpowered with the thoughts and with the feeling that I should go and shave my beard off. He says, I am battling with this issue that shaitan is now pushing into me. And he says, those advices Hazrat gave in the room that day came strongly to my heart. And Allah Ta'ala then saved me from doing this. Now, outwardly that seemed like something superfluous. That now, what was the need for this now? This is something already acquired. Why is there this so much emphasis? But this person is now saying that that what was discussed in the room that day, that became the means of my getting saved. So we don't know when we'll need it. And the thing is, if we took it for granted, that well, this is something doesn't apply to me now, Allah forbid, that becomes a slipping point. Taking it for granted, Allah forbid, becomes a slipping point. Because all this is only with the topic of Allah Ta'ala. So, this is a trap of shaitan, that when something is being discussed, some aspect that needs to be rectified, some sin, shaitan takes the mind to somebody else, that this I hope that person is listening, whereas all this, everything is for each one, if somebody is not practicing on some aspect, inshallah he will take note, he will make that a point for himself, and this is a point for us as well, and at no time we should ever look down upon anybody because of anything. We will look down upon the action, never the person. The person, Allah knows best what's his end result, what is our end result. Till the result is not out, we have no right to think of ourselves as better than anybody. Yes, a wrong action is wrong. That we cannot for any moment say that the wrong action is right. The wrong action is wrong. We can't condone the wrong. So we look down on the wrong, but never the wrongdoer. So this is something to bear in mind when discussing any or anything of this nature. The first action to keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. The following is reported in the narration of Bukhari Sharif. Khaliful mushrikeen waffirul luha wa ahfus shawarib. Wa kaan ibn Umar iza hajja awi atamara qabada ala lihyatihi fama fadala akhadahu. Rasulullah said that oppose the idolaters, lengthen the beard and shorten the mustache. And further it's mentioned that when Hazrat Ibn Umar who used to go for Hajj or Umrah, he would take hold of his beard in his fist. Whatever amount of the beard was in excess of the fist, he would trim it.
In another narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is narrated that Rasulullah said, In shawarib wa'fulluha. That make the mustache extremely short and lengthen the beard. What is very important to note in these ahadith, in the first hadith, the aspect that was mentioned right at the beginning, the command that is being given is to keep the beard. But the introduction to this command is very significant. The introduction is Khaliful Mushrikeen. Oppose the way of the Mushrikeen. Now, when a person sometimes does some things which resemble them, generally, 99% of the time, nobody makes the intention that he is doing this because he wants to resemble them. Nobody does that with that intention. That a person is dressing in a certain way because he wants to resemble the Yahud. Because he wants to resemble the Mushrikeen. He doesn't do it with that purpose, with that intention. Or he's shaving his beard because he wants to resemble them. So it's not a matter of whether he has that intention. Nabi Islam is saying to us, don't adopt their resemblance. Whatever your purpose might be, but don't adopt their resemblance. Oppose their resemblance. So this is one aspect, the aspect of the beard. But likewise, in all other things, in day-to-day life as well, a mu'min should be adopting the way of Rasulullah That is his way. The footsteps of Rasulullah The couplet of Hazrat which is world famous, people went to some remote masjid somewhere and they saw some booklets or whatever, some, this couplet was written there, says even there this reached. Because this is the crux of everything in encapsulated in it. That Naqshe Qadam Nabi ke hai Jannat ke raaste That the footsteps of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lead to Jannat Allah se milate hai Sunnat ke raaste And to reach Allah Ta'ala the only path to that is going through the path of the Sunnat of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam There is no other door to reaching Allah Ta'ala The only door is the door of the Sunnah of, Allah, of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This is the crux of the ayat of the Quran Sharif Qul in kuntum tuhibboon Allah fattabi'ooni if you want to gain the love of Allah Ta'ala, if your claim is that you love Allah Ta'ala, Nabi Islam is being told to announce that say, Fattabi'uni, follow me, follow the way of Nabi Islam. Then you will gain the love of Allah Ta'ala and the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. It is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one fist, just as it is wajib to perform Witr Salah and Eid Salah on Eid Al-Fitr and Eid Al-Adha. Similarly, it is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. This example is being given in this manner to highlight what is the meaning of wajib. Otherwise, sometimes the mind now plays games with us. Well, it's not farz. So, can you imagine now somebody says that to Eid, I'm not going to Eid namaz is wajib. I'm not going to perform Eid namaz. So, person who doesn't perform Eid namaz, what will think about him? So, likewise, it's wajib to perform. To, to keep the beard to the extent of one first length. Allama Shami Rahmatullah states, Amma akhzul lihyati wahiya madun al qubdati kama yafaluhu ba'dul muhariba muhannasatul rijal falam yubihu ahadun. Allama Shami states, 
that to trim the beard when it is shorter than one fist in length, as practiced by some people of the West, has not been permitted by anyone. And there's a further word here, and Hemophrodites has not been permitted by anyone. Hakim al-Ummat Mujaddidul Millat Mawlana Shafani Sahib Thanwi Rahmatullahi writes in Bishti Zawar that it is haram to shave the beard as well as to trim it to less than the length of one first. Therefore the beard should be to the extent of one first under the chin as well as to the right and left. All three sides, the extent of one first. It is wajib to grow the beard to one first length on all three sides. Some people grow the beard to one first under the chin but trim it to less than a fist on either side. This is incorrect. If any one of the three sides of the beard has been shortened to lesser than one fist, to even the extent of one grain of rice, that is a few millimeters, this action will be haram and a major sin. The thing to consider is that certain things, certain sins, certain wrongs, have a limited duration of time person is committing that wrong, after a while it stops, the person is looking at some haram, that is haram, it's terrible, but then if he turns away, then that stops. A person is doing something else that is wrong and he stops, he moves away from there, that ends. But certain things are such that a person is now constantly in that wrong. For example, a person is now trimming his beard to less than a fist, he is shaving it. So now even if he is sleeping, that wrong is continuing. He is in salah, that wrong is continuing. So this is obviously a very, very major issue. So the thing is, a person makes that firm intention, makes the toba, istighfar, from that moment he is already out of that category. He has made the toba that this is it. As of now, I will be keeping my fist correctly, my, my beard to the extent of one fist in the correct manner. That Toba takes him out of that category of that sin immediately, and now he is out of that situation where he is constantly in this wrong. So this is something very simple to now move on to. It's that determination, the Toba from the past, and that intention now to keep a beard to the extent of one fist, and inshallah, a person is out of that category. Then the second action that is discussed here is to keep the ankles exposed, that is not to cover the ankles with the trouser, pants, etc. It is haram and a major sin for males to cover their ankles with their garments. This pertains to males, not to females. Unfortunately, this is the way the West goes. Whatever Islam teaches, they want to do the opposite. And that's unfortunately our tragedy then, that we then adopt their way. They are bent on opposing the way of Nabi Wasallam. So the males are required to keep their ankles uncovered. The garments must not flow below the ankles. Uncovered meaning from any garment that flows from above, as will be discussed. So, not to cover the ankles with any garment that's flowing from above. And females have to keep the ankles covered. So, we reverse the roles. The males started covering their ankles and the females did the opposite. And then if we don't want to keep that in that manner, 
then if you decide, no, okay, we're going to keep the anchors uncovered, then that too would be in the style of the West. Then the person will come to the masjid also with his jammies. It won't be anything in between. It will either be the West in one way, or the West in another way. But the way of Nabi Wasallam, that will be something difficult for us. If the West pulled out something new now, the jammies, that is not so new anymore. So then that became acceptable. The person would come to the masjid with that also. Now, it was told to keep his ankles covered, he's almost uncovering his knees also. So this is the trap of shaitan. One way or the other, it must be the western styles and fashions that he will adopt. So, this is something that might seem to be, what is in it? Sometimes people ask this kind of questions that, what is in so much in the beard and so much in keeping the pants above the ankles and this is the whole discussion. So the reverse question is, what is the problem with keeping the beard and the problem with keeping the garments above the ankles that you have such a problem with it? What's such a problem you have with it? The question sometimes, these are prompted by shaitan obviously and sometimes very dangerous questions which can affect a person's iman. Is there nothing else in deen besides the beard and the trouser? Now that question technically can be correct that yes, there's many other things. This is not everything in deen. But that question is very dangerous. Because this question in a way is belittling the beard and the command of Nabi Wasallam about keeping the garments above the ankles. And belittling anything in deen it doesn't have to be something that's farz or wajib. The miswak is sunnat. But a person belittles the miswak, it will become kufr. A person belittles any aspect of deen, which is clearly an aspect of deen. It might be a mustahab act. It might not be farz or wajib. But istighfar, belittling anything of deen, will be kufr. So these questions might sound like something just by the way a person asks something, but it's a very dangerous question. It can jeopardize a person's iman. So the answer nevertheless to that is very simple, that yes, there's many other things in deen, but this is also in deen. It's not out of deen. And then, why so much of emphasis? Then where does that question go back to? That question goes all the way back to Rasulullah wasallam. Nauzubillah, this is an objection against him. Why did he place so much of emphasis on these actions? Because the emphasis came from there. The emphasis that is being now discussed is what Nabi Islam emphasized. So the objection doesn't stop at the person in front of us. The objection goes, Nauzubillah, all the way back to Nabi Islam. So what a serious thing this becomes. So this is something for us to always bear in mind. That whatever has been given to us by Allah and His Nabi Wasallam, then there is no what and why. The question is, how do I now bring this in my life? How do I adopt it? If something we are not fulfilling, if it's not of the Fard and Wajib category, then inshallah there is no sin in it, but there should be that feeling in our heart that this is something that I am missing out on. Fine, there is no sin if a person hadn't adopted it yet, but that's not where we should leave it at. If you're not doing it right now, it should be still that 
feeling within us, that feeling of that this is something lacking in me. This is my deficiency. I should be doing that as well. So then with that kind of feeling in the heart, inshallah, sooner or later the tawfiq will come to do that action which we are presently not doing, which might be of a sunnat level, might be mustahab. Even that mustahab action should feel something within ourselves that this is something should be in my life. I am lacking in this. This is my deficiency. It's my weakness. That will inshallah bring about the change and that will also come into our lives. Inshallah we'll continue with this discussion tomorrow. Allah ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Subhanallah bihamdi. Subhanakallah bihamdik. Nashadu Allah ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaha.